Coming up on the Thomas Guy today, we've got another big show ahead. First is, will Mitch McConnell use the nuclear option to to uh, to confirm Trump's Supreme Court nominee? We're going to talk a little bit a little bit about the Berkeley riots and what's that all about. And of course, we've got two big guests coming up. We've got a Iraq war veteran and terrorist expert to talk about whether or not we should be scared about Trump's threat to Iran. And of course, Lauren Savant for Vox is joining us in just a bit. This has been The Thomas Guide with John Thomas. We hope you've enjoyed the ride. Join us Thursdays at 1 on Facebook Live. Tweet John at The Thomas Guide. Find us on iTunes and subscribe. Or you can go to KFI. Keyword, The Thomas Guide. Welcome back. Boy, Trump's been in office for basically a week or so, a little over a week, and there is no shortage of news. You know, I'm getting fatigued in the sense of I'm getting tired of people freaking out every single day. Last time I checked, the sky has not fallen. Not yet. Uh, and, I mean, it's just, it's this uh, ongoing, outra- feigned outrage uh, and also an unwillingness of the left to admit that a lot of the stuff that Donald Trump is having to deal with now is because he was handed a raw deal by the, la- by the last president, Barack Obama, over the last eight years, messing things up, letting our enemies like Iran walk all over us, uh, cutting a nuclear deal that allowed our enemy to start spinning centrifuges so that they could get a nuclear weapon. And now Trump's, you know, forced to deal with this and retrain the rest of the world as to how to treat America and how to treat us with respect and take us seriously. It's not an easy task. Here's the thing. The left is organized with the hashtag resist. uh, And while at first, if you're someone on the left, you think, oh, this is great. We're going to send a consistent message that we don't like Donald Trump and he's got to go. There's a couple big mistakes about that. First, they're peaking too soon. If they're protesting every single day now, it is simply unsustainable for two years as we go to the midterms and certainly four. People are going to get fatigued. That means the activists and the protesters and all of those, they just simply can't endure it for that long, no matter what Donald Trump did or did not do, I guess, to provoke their protesting. Um, so in, in sense of timing, uh, they're missing the mark. In political campaigns, you always try to peak at the right moment, uh, right as voters are dialing in, uh, could be the absentee ballot period, but you don't want to, you don't want to uh, go and, and either spend your money or or feign your outrage two years before the election, and that's what they're doing right now. Uh, it's just over the top. Uh, so so that's one. I think the, the other thing is uh, when you're looking at, uh, it is really Trump versus the media. It's not Trump versus the Democrats. It's Trump versus the media. And the media feels the need to rebut. Anytime Trump speaks, the media provides a rebuttal. The usual dynamic used to be 
uh, one party would speak, and the other party, it would be up to the other party to make the rebuttal. No, no longer. I mean, think about it. Every time Trump speaks, who's making that rebuttal? Is it Nancy Pelosi? Is it Chuck Schumer? No, they have no leading figure. I suppose Barack Obama weighed in, which, by the way, I thought was highly inappropriate of him to do that. Uh, but it's been the media, and here's where they're making the mistake is for all of the outrage that the media is feigning and whatnot. They've already, there's a few examples. The Golden Shower, BuzzFeed story was an example where they overreached. And all of a sudden, Trump can now pretend uh, or can now be the victim. And he's got the villain, which is the media. And that's the dynamic he wants. And so the media is really playing into his hands. All at the same time, the left, uh, and the Democratic Party is being hijacked by an open borders movement and a pro-refugee movement. And while that may sound good to the protesters about being compassionate and all that, I think it's going to backfire at the end of the day. And here's why. Middle America, the the Rust Belt, uh, the flyover states, the people who put Trump in office— when you see a headline like Starbucks to create 10,000 jobs for refugees, it reminds middle America and the flyover states that Trump is the one who's putting Americans first and the Democratic Party is putting foreigners first. And that's not a dynamic that the Democratic Party should be in. For decades and decades, Democrats were the party of the working man. And that's not the case any longer. They're the party of the foreigner, the party of the illegal immigrant, quite frankly. Um, And if they keep marching down that road, which it appears they're going to do, uh, it's bad news because it's leaving up a a lane that's wide open for Donald Trump to exploit. And that is Trump stands for the American worker. Trump stands for the American. I think one of the showdowns you're going to see is going to be right here in California where this show's filmed because – over sanctuary cities and the fact that it's politically a good thing for Democrats in California, if you're an assemblyman or senator or congressperson, to publicly fight Donald Trump. It assures that you get through your next primary or your next election. But I think that's what the nation's going to be watching over the next uh, three months, six months, year, is Trump in a showdown with sanctuary cities. And it's a big win. While it may not be a win for Trump in California, it's a big win for him nationally because He's sticking up for American citizens. He's sticking up for our taxpayer dollars to be spent on American citizens. Uh, The left is making a big mistake here, and I think they're just so disorganized. They really don't have a strong leadership um, presence that they are just letting it slip right through their fingers uh, and essentially handing Donald Trump the midterm elections and re-election in four years if this keeps up. So the big question is, will Mitch McConnell, the Senate Republican leader, uh, how will he make sure that Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee, uh, Gorsuch, gets confirmed? Now, Democrats are saying that they will, that he, that Gorsuch is extreme, he's dangerous, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they're pretty generic talking points because I don't think they can come up with one example of where Neil Gorsuch is any of those things. In fact, uh, yes, he is a he's an originalist. 
Uh, he is conservative, but he's one of the most respected nominees uh, to be put up, at least in recent memory. I mean, the man's impeccable. Um, and so here's the thing. Mitch McConnell is in a bit of a bind because there's something called the nuclear option. Right now, in order to confirm a Supreme Court nominee, you need two-thirds vote in the Senate. Uh, Republicans don't have that many. They have uh, um, 52. So they need a few Democrats to cross over. Now, there is a rule called the nuclear option in place that the Republicans can vote to change the rules, which allows for a simple majority to confirm the SCOTUS nominee. Uh, The problem is that sets a dangerous precedent because once that rule is enacted, if the Republicans aren't in power in two years or four years and another nominee comes up, whether it's Ginsburg or Kennedy, for instance, Republicans may not be able to block the Democrats because they've used this option. And so that's what McConnell's struggling with. I was chatting last night on CNN with some folks. They were saying, nope, I think McConnell is not going to use the nuclear option because he understands the precedent that that could set and it could backfire. I think I disagree. I think he will use the nuclear option because he understands, number one, that the consequences of the Supreme Court far outlast any one political election cycle. This uh, Neil Gorsuch is 49 years old. He could have 40 years on the court. That is a long time to impact the direction of America. So that's, number one, he gets the importance. Number two, I think Mitch McConnell understands that many folks in the Rust Belt and in middle America may not understand all the nuances and the minutia about the Supreme Court, but they do understand that the Supreme Court protects issues that they care about. On, on social issues, on issues of the Second Amendment that they know is under assault by the left. And so some of these middle America folks, particularly Republicans, held their nose and voted for Donald Trump because they believed that they would get a crack at a better Supreme Court nominee than under Hillary Clinton. And they're right. They're 100% right. So if Mitch McConnell does not deliver this win for the people who put Donald Trump into office on Supreme Court nominee, I think he exposes himself in two years in the midterms or even four years for a massive backlash, both from Republicans in his base and those voters uh, that are not heavy partisans but turned out for the Supreme Court, that they'll turn against the Republican Party and it'll massively backfire. So for all of those reasons... I think I think Mitch McConnell is going to use a nuclear option. Uh, the other big story we're looking at uh, this week is Milo. I'll screw up this name. Y- Yiannopoulos. Can you can we get Jenny Lee, producer Jenny Lee's mic on? How, how do you say that? Milo Yiannopoulos. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> Milo Yiannopoulos. Ah, I just like your accent. So. <laughs> just <laughs> just uh, make me repeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well. Uh, him. Uh, so Milo, okay, Milo was supposed to speak at Berkeley last night. Uh, and it, to say it didn't turn out as well as it could is <laughs> a huge misstatement. I mean, it it was a disaster. It was a cluster F. Literally, uh, hundreds and hundreds of protesters were protesting Milo Y. Uh, I'll just call him Milo Y. 
uh, who, look, Milo is a grenade thrower, right? He makes Ann Coulter look like, uh, you know, she's been on uh, sedatives. But here's the deal. Uh, they over the left overreached. All of a sudden, the trouble began around 6 p.m. last night, two hours before Milo was slated to speak inside inside the student un- union building in, in Sproul Plaza. Uh, they be- the protesters began by throwing fireworks and pulling down metal barricades, uh, barricades that the police set up. And I-, I was watching these clips. Protesters were literally taking these metal barricades. They were throwing it into storefronts. They were smashing ATMs. Um, they were spray painting Starbucks uh, saying, kill Trump. I mean, they, they were, it was crazy. Uh, Berkeley police say that five people were injured and uh, and some people who went to go see Milo speak uh, were stuck with their faces bloodied. There were no arrests, unbelievably. Uh, there was one clip I we don't have it for you today, but uh, I'll put it up on on the T Guides Facebook later on. There was a lady uh, wearing a Donald Trump "Make America Great Again" red hat, talking to a local news reporter on camera, saying uh, she actually was doing a great job. She basically said, "Look, it's their right to protest, and I'm here, not causing any trouble, just to voice my opinion as well, just like they can do." And as she was finishing the interview, and I kid you not, someone came up and pepper sprayed her face on camera. And it wasn't just like a squirt. It was a full-on, shh. She got pepper sprayed for standing there doing an interview wearing a Make Make America Great Again hat. And here's what I don't get, okay? The way the media has framed this, uh, this protest is that they're they're framing it saying Milo the extremist is met with violent protests rather than Republican student speaker is out yelled by the, is 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 shut down by violent left protests tell me you just for one second if Republicans did that to a democrat speaking on a college campus how do you think the media would frame that it would be the KKK is taking over America. Uh, you know, it's just ugh, exhausting. But I think regular everyday Americans can sort it out. I do think it's ironic that at UC Berkeley, arguably the home of the free speech movement, is trying to quell somebody from voicing their opinion on the on Berkeley's campus. Oh, geez. Um, I just... I, Look, it's your right if you want to protest, but when you get violent, when you get crazy, and we when you try to stop somebody else from voicing their opinion, it ends up backfiring what you intended to do. Um, look, it's good for Milo's career. I, it's good for him. But uh, I just, for our Democrat friends who are watching this show, you can't go apoplectic every day. Because when you cry wolf every day, it just, it gets old at a certain point. Um, God, crazy. All right, moving along. This is a fascinating uh, story to me, is that uh, Trump is uh, having the White House ice out CNN. And by that, I mean, 
they have refused for a number of days now to send any of their spokespeople or surrogates onto any CNN shows, effectively freezing out the network uh, from on-air administration voices. And this is what uh, this is what um, the White House said, quote, we're sending surrogates to places where we think it makes sense to promote our agenda, um, acknowledging that CNN is not such a place. Uh, but they did say the ban wasn't permanent. And then a reporter with CNN off the record said uh, they're trying to call CNN from the herd uh, by killing, uh, by forcing down its ratings. Now, in fairness to the Trump administration, yesterday on Wednesday, they did supply uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, a deputy assistant to the president for national security, he was available for an interview on CNN. But by and large, they're giving him the cold shoulder. You know, I have no problem with this. Uh, CNN did overreach. They are uh, largely anti-Trump. And here's the difference. The reason they're not doing that to MSNBC is because no one watches NBC. No one thinks MSNBC is impartial. Or as CNN uh, positions itself as, in, as impartial and as a fair and balanced network. And there are some great voices on that network. But it, uh, the way they select the stories is really where the bias is. Not so much on the analysis, but the, the story selection and how they frame the stories. That's the problem. Uh, today, this is a great, <laughs> this is a great story. Um, Trump uh, was at a national prayer breakfast today. Do, do we have any, any video for this stuff? I don't know if we got it pulled or not. Roy G, do we have anything? Not, nothing. On the White House prayer breakfast? Okay, don't, don't worry. We don't have it. Don't, don't sweat it. I'll, I'll explain. So uh, Trump was speaking. He was, uh, <laughs> he was making his announcement uh, at the National Prayer Breakfast today, and I thought he's, there were two interesting things that came of this speech. Uh, one was that Trump pledged to, quote, totally destroy, end quote, a law that bars political activity by churches. That's a big deal. Because right now, if a Trump, uh, if a Trump, if a, if a church wants to maintain its tax exempt status, they cannot be political in nature. Uh, and I do know some churches that respect that. Uh, I know a lot of churches that don't, um, particularly the African American churches, at least here in LA County, uh, tend to be highly political around uh, election season. Some watch themselves, but. Uh, He's trying to change that dynamic. And here's what that actually means. It's actually, it's quite smart if you're Donald Trump's, just politically speaking. Typically speaking, people who are more highly religious also skew more conservative. And if he allows these churches to organize, outright organize politically, that's a voting block that while they, these a lot of churchgoers naturally vote, it's a habitual thing. If he can empower them to build an organization structure like a union has to turn out the vote, that's another voting block that can help him in the midterms. Um, it can it can just help him in a variety of ways four years from now. So that's actually pretty pretty smart. I think that's going to be controversial later on when he does roll out those uh, those changes. But here's the real kicker, okay? Everyone knows that <laughs> Donald Trump has not uh, been able to contain himself in – in 
the, I guess I call it the bitch fight between Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's the new host of Celebrity Apprentice, and and Donald when Donald Trump was on Celebrity Apprentice, uh, Trump called out Schwarzenegger weeks ago and said, uh, "It's too bad your ratings suck, Arnold, and they're not as good as mine." But today, but uh, at the National Prayer of Actors today, <laughs> Trump's giving his speech and he and he slammed Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, and he said this: "We had." Tremendous success on The Apprentice, and when I ran for president, I had to leave the show. That's when I knew for sure I was doing it. And they hired a big, big movie star, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to take my place. We know how that turned out. The ratings went right down the tubes. It's been a total disaster. And Mark, Mark Burnett, the show's executive producer, will never, ever bet against Trump again. And then he said... And quote, and I just want to pray for Arnold, if we can, for those ratings, okay? <laughs> that's uh, that's fantastic. And then, of course, Arnold did a rebuttal uh, just just a few minutes later, uh, where he put out a he put out his own little video, um, and he said, uh, "Why don't we do this? I'll be president. You take over the Celebrity Apprentice. That way, the rest of the country doesn't have to be in fear." Uh, for the sake and the fate of the country. Cute little comeback, but, I mean, it's only only something that <laughs> Donald Trump would do where he'd talk about ratings at a at a national prayer breakfast. It's, um, it's unbelievable. Um, I know we've got an interview uh, with Elon Carr, but we're, I think we're, what we're going to do, because we're running tight on time, we're going to post it up separately on our Facebook page, on the Thomas Guide, and we'll, we'll put it on KFI's page as well later. Uh, so you guys can check that out. Alon Carr is a criminal gang prosecutor with the LADA's office. He's an Iraq War veteran where he literally uh, was the first uh, American to set up Iraqi courts so that we could fairly prosecute terrorists in Iraq. Um, he also is an expert on all things Israel and Iran and the nuclear deal. Uh, you're not going to want to miss all the things that we broke down uh, in that. We talked about should we actually be worried about what Trump Trump said last night uh, or yesterday afternoon, I guess it was, where he put uh, Iran on notice for doing missile launches. Um, you're going to want to hear what Iran, uh, what Elon has to say about Iran, but this is my basic take. Trump has inherited a whole host of problems Uh, from the last eight years, mainly being that Barack Obama set an example that the world didn't have to take us, and enemies didn't have to take us seriously. That just like with Putin, um, Putin knew that Barack Obama was a joke. That any time Barack Obama said to cut it out, Putin's like, okay, uh, you know, make me. It's, it's, uh, there's no, there's no uh, bite to the bark. Uh, and so now Trump's come in and he has to essentially retrain um, our enemies and our allies as to how to treat us going forward. So he's got his work cut out for him. I think what's going to happen is it's just going to take one or two moments uh, where, like with Iran, uh, where he retrains folks. And I think everybody else will get quickly into line. And make no mistake about it, Iran yesterday with the with the missile launch it was, yes, of course, they're testing missiles, you know, getting their 
by the way, which is not allowed by even the bad Iran nuclear deal that was struck. But more importantly, it was a Donald Trump test. It was, will Donald Trump respond right immediately? Will he let it go? Uh, will they make a statement? What kind of statement? And Trump got it. That's why he sent out uh, General Flynn right away to put them on notice. Um, look, the, the stuff of presidents, I think, is two things. First and foremost, it's being commander in chief. Uh, that That is the stuff of presidents. Uh, and then secondly, um, it is Supreme Court. And so... Congress has a lot to do with domestic things, but a president, anytime they want, can launch a nuclear weapon, can can deploy troops, can uh, make uh, can make deals with our allies and enemies. That's the stuff of presidents. So this is what we're really going to want to watch. And of course, the left is going to melt down every time Donald Trump opens his mouth, but that's to be expected. Do we have our next guest on the line? Oh, great. Well, I will introduce her as we're getting her on the line. Uh, Lauren Savon uh, is a friend of the show's and an anchor uh, and reporter at Fox 11 here in L.A. She used to work for Fox News in New York. Uh, She's, you know, this show really is about blending politics and culture. The two have never intersected more than they have now, particularly with Donald Trump. Uh, and I and I think that uh, that Lauren fits that bill perfectly. Do we have her on the line? Oh, perfect. Let's see if we can get this technically to work out. Lauren, can you hear us? Yes, I got you. Awesome. You. Thanks so much for joining us on the Thomas Guide. Thank you for having me on the Thomas Guide. <laughs> I feel this is a bit of a role reversal. Usually, you're the one grilling me at Fox, and now I get to grill you. Yeah, I'm very nervous. I've never <laughs> sat in this. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure, sure. Uh, Especially after I've treated you. Well, that's true. You really you really were a pain in my ass, Lauren. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, I, I, uh, I want to talk about a few things with you today. Um, I was just saying to our audience before we brought you in, the Thomas Guide show is essentially blending politics and culture because I think these days they're kind of one and the same. Uh, and I sure. thought, And I, that's why I thought you were such a perfect guest because you – obviously cover pop culture, but you also have an extensive knowledge about politics and the media and, and how all those intersect. So I want to get your opinion uh, first on on how the press is covering Donald Trump uh, and, and, and his agenda and his administration. How the, What do you think of the job they're doing? And if you were in charge, how would you be covering it? Wow. Okay. Um you know, it's a really tricky business because there are a lot of firsts going on here. You know, it's the first president we've had um, who was a reality show star. Sure. It's, you know, it, the entire election kind of, you know, caught everyone off guard, particularly the press. Um, and so I think the way they're covering it, the, the media is struggling to to be fair and balanced. When, when, you know, there's a headline every 10 seconds that comes out of this administration – you know, I know in our newsroom we have arguments daily now over how much is too much mm-hmm. Trump headline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it, 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 is a, it is a tough situation. And, you know, just his animosity toward the press makes it um, particularly sticky because on the one hand, you know, you have journalists that, that are doing their job and are being attacked for doing their job. On the other hand, perhaps 
some journalists are biased against him. I know I, I, for the first time ever, I've seen a lot of journalists come out during the campaign, during the election, and say flat out, you know, this guy is dangerous, and we're not going to pretend that he's just another candidate. Mm-hmm. Isn't that up for the voters um, to decide? It is up to the voters yeah. to decide, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, for the very first time, journalists were like, well, we're, we can't just sit back and pretend that, you know, I don't feel this way or that he's, you know, not saying crazy, insane things. Um, and so they've, you know, for I'm thinking of like John Avalon from The Daily Beast has been quite outspoken about his feelings on Trump as well as some other journalists. And, and some have gotten fired for it or at least spoken to about what they tweet or what they say. Um, but the truth is, you know, I wonder if his attacks on the media are working because if you go after a reporter time and time again, like a Katie Turr, for example, from NBC, you know, does it make the reporter say, listen, I, you know, I'm not going to go after him because I don't feel like getting in this Twitter war with him and, you know, to kind of shy away from the president or from covering the president because you know that he'll go after you if you say something he dislikes. Yeah. I feel like every day, Lauren, there's a, another protest um, the the left is you know, apoplectic uh, about Trump. Is it possible, uh, in your opinion, and especially covering it as a as a, a reporter, that it just uh, they're peaking too soon? <laughs> that that the you can only be outraged for so long, and that eventually it just it doesn't have the impact it once did. Right. Yeah, I do. I do think that we're going to hit that well i mean think about it he's been in office for two weeks and i don't know about you but my entire feed is full of outrage <laughs> yeah. I mean, these people must be exhausted <laughs> you know and i mean in the and then you have to look at the grand scheme of things yes is this a lot of change for america very very quickly and are many people upset about it yes but if you look at the grand scheme of things i mean america's still a wonderful country to live in a lot better than a heck of a lot of others and if you look in europe i mean this is a, a Hi, this is a trend that we're seeing that, you know, the hard right is gaining ground. There's an anti-immigration sentiment, not just here, but all around the world. And so it's not as insane as everyone wants to believe it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not as abnormal. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts, Lauren, on local news. Um, local news, and, and we don't need to talk about your station, but just in general, Um some some local news is 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 struggling uh, because I feel like everybody thinks national these days, um, right? Maybe it's because I get it on you know I get uh, the CNN alerts and it's only you know I'm I feel more connected to national issues than I ever have before. What does local news end up looking like? I mean, how do you when you're when a station's making editorial selections? How do you how do you balance the two? It's really hard because well we 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 do try our best to balance national news and local news and there's so much going on with local news but you know are you going to get as excited over your local city council meeting as you are over some crazy Trump headline um, you know in this day and age with the internet and the memes and all of that um, yeah it's hard to make local politics <laughs> exciting especially because. You know, I mean, national networks have a lot of um, opinions. They have a lot of talking heads. They have a lot of people yelling. Mm-hmm. Whereas local news has pretty much, you know, stayed the same for the last since like the 60s. I mean, mm-hmm. we still have like the same formula that we're using. 
Um, so maybe it is a little it a little tired for some people, and that's why they prefer national news where there seems to be more um, going on and more up for discussion. But the truth is your local news is, is way more important I mean, oh, because that 100%. actually will affect your life. Yeah, I mean, these are the decisions being made that will absolutely affect your life, affect you know the towns that you live in, affect how much money you will have to pay in taxes, that kind of thing. So it, it is up to us to make that, um, let's say, sugarcoated a little bit. If, if it's yeah. too bland for people to watch, then then we need to figure well, out something well, I, else to make I, it a little more exciting. I have a theory that uh, for the next four years, uh, local news in California is going to go uh, is going to have a really good run because I think Donald Trump is going to take it to ground zero. Is going to be here in California with the sanctuary cities, and it's going to be oh yeah, you know, it's going to be fights with the L.A. City Council members, uh, Eric Garcetti. Gavin Newsom, it's going to be right here in our backyard. Uh, and so, and, 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 you know, that gives you, you guys an opportunity to, uh, it's like you got to tune in because you have better access to the local personalities and local players than a national outlet would. And that is true. And I mean, California is really different than the rest of the country. I mean, we are on the forefront of so many, so many progressive policies that, you know, the rest of the country probably thinks are insane. Um, so it's a really interesting place to be right now. What I will say is, you know, it doesn't even have to be that that blatant, like a sanctuary city, obviously, that's going to make national news. But if you look at today, I mean, the, the city council decriminalizing, um, mm-hmm. you know, illegal carts, right? Like the guys that sell you hot dogs and fruit and the carts. By the way, who, by the way, who eats those things? Do you eat those things? Oh, my God. The $5 oh. fruit. Thing. Yeah. Like are you? Are you? Ki- oh, Lauren. Oh, it's gross. Oh That's gross. Wait. You, so you eat those little, those little, those little sausage that they have on the uh, the little metal cart that's like could have yeah, fallen I on the ground and the guys push it. You, that you're the one who buys it. They do not throw it on the ground. <laughs> you are missing out. It's five dollars. It's some of the greatest fruit you'll ever have. They put that like spice on. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, uh, they're no well, longer crazy. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go <laughs> continue your thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, you know, my point is just L.A. doing that one thing. On the one hand, you're like, oh, good. These people are just trying to make a living. And now, you know, they don't have to worry about being arrested. But on the other, this is why we have so many poor here in L.A., you know, because they're not really earning a fair wage. They they don't even own those cars. Some company owns them and they're working for, you know, pennies and and because you're decriminalizing them, it means they are allowed to stay, which means, you know, some store owner and some business down the street that's trying to sell the same stuff and has to pay a lot more, to, you know, including rent and insurance. I mean, things like that right. that affect the immigration population here um, affect, you know, everyone. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, Donald Trump's prediction that there'll be a, a, a taco a stand on every corner. Uh no, well, I mean, to me, it sounded delicious, but yeah, right. All right, I'm gonna go try. Should I try the mangoes? Is that the is that the best one? I mean, I get the mix, just tell them you want the mix, and they put everything in there. It's like coconut and watermelon and mango and kiwi. And <laughs> all right, uh, when and I just I go easy on the spice, but you can do what you want. When I have uh, explosive diarrhea because of you, I'm gonna think of you. 
You'll thank me. You'll be ready for bikini season. Oh, God. You'll be ready for summer. Oh, I prefer the tapeworm method to uh, dangerous fruit, but, you know, whatever. Pick your poison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Lauren, (laughs) we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll, uh, did we lose you? Yep. Lauren? Hello? Oh, can you hear us? Did I lose you? Hello? Yep. We lost her. Well, Perfect timing to lose her. <laughs> all right. It's it's a bit rocky today uh, on the technical front. But uh, anyway, all, all is good. Lauren Savon, uh, I believe, I don't have her Twitter handle in front of me, but I want to say, I want to say it's uh, idiot, I think it's idiot Savon. Oh, at Lauren Savon. S-I-V-A-N. Okay. All right. Got it. Okay. Um Great that she could join us. That was really nice of her. All right. Moving along to a little bit lighter news. Uh, Roy G., can we turn on Jenny, producer Jenny Lee's mic, if you have a second? Jenny, can I hear you now? Hi. Oh, you sound there great. You Thank you. <laughs> great. All right. Uh, going through a couple culture things before we run out of time. This is a story um, I thought was interesting that Hillary Clinton is is plotting her comeback um and she she's testing her worth on the free market uh by returning to the speaking circuit and uh she signed a deal with the harry walker agency the ap reported where she used to command more than two hundred thousand dollars a speech uh and she's all uh, well but we don't know how much she's going to be charging a speech so that's going to be the tell uh jenny lee i think She'll be lucky to get twenty to fifty grand a speech, right? Yeah. I mean, who cares? She's not going to be president, and she can't sell favors, aka through speaking fees. Yeah. I think I, she'll get a standard celebrity fee. Yeah, I mean, let's see if she runs for mayor of New York. That will be an interesting one. Oh my god. <laughs> she just won't let go. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah, the a Clinton's got a Clint. You know, it's uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, look, I think she should write a book. I think that's great. You might you might as well do that. But she's done. She's had her time, right? Well, I think she's going to keep hanging on as long as possible. So, mm. but she can make a good living doing speech writing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah if, if well, the thing is, she doesn't need to make a living. <laughs> she's worth like two hundred million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, seriously, she should like. What is it then? Why is she doing it? So, ego. Ego. Yeah, ego. Absolutely. And relevancy. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it. Uh, a lot, I'd say most people run for office because of ego, right? They want ego. They, they have an ego. They want power. They want to be relevant. Uh, and, and here's Hillary Clinton, whether you like her or, or, or not. She's one of the most recognizable women in the world. And it's she's like, still got a huge, huge following. So yeah, she does. She's going to try and keep that going as long yeah. as she can. And she probably has a lot of people around her saying, we need you, Hillary. Yet the smart ones are going, it's your fault, Hillary. <laughs> time to go yeah you gotta go <laughs> it's time for somebody new the problem is the democratic party doesn't have anybody new and i think that's this weird weird spot but uh but in politics if there's a demand just like in free markets the vacuum will be filled someone will fill the will, will fill that void from the democratic wings she just has to let the void exist rather than trying to fill it uh, this other story's an interesting one uh, in in the in the New York Times. 
um, that basically did a study that says upper income men no longer want to have sons because they're too terrifyingly masculine. That being a man, a masculine man, is a bad thing. What do you think about that, Jillian? Well, it's interesting that it was published in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very telling. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's something I would expect out of Berkeley or San Francisco where you have to be ashamed to be a man. But, uh, I mean, there there was a, a bill sponsored in California. I don't have the story in front of me. Uh, but uh, where they're going to have three genders that are allowed in California. Uh, male, female, or uh, non-binary. The hell does that mean? <laughs> I was going to say, what is that? Non-binary. That's like that's like the other box, you know. Check. I I just I don't I don't get it. Uh, I think men need to be men. You don't have to be rugged. I mean, look at me. I'm not exactly the toughest guy around, but you also don't have to be a woman. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. And you don't have to self-loathe about the fact that you're a guy. You like doing guy things. Yeah, I always thought it was kind of men appreciated having sons, and that was kind of just yeah emphasize their masculinity carry on the son. legacy yeah yeah exactly carry yeah. on the legacy i don't know look at henry the eighth <laughs> i mean i do know I, yeah it's true times have changed it's true times i i uh actually know quite a few uh very liberal women in downtown los angeles where this show is being broadcast from that ex that want their men to weep with them on a weekly basis because if they don't do that what? they don't really identify with the women no I, know, I know, I know, I know, no I know, I know, I don't think so. I, I don't cry. That's like a thing. Uh, I think I cried. Oh, you know when I, well, I got very verklempt. Almost cried when I watched, ooh, what was it? It was the puppy movie from like three or four years ago. Marley and Me. Oh, Marley and Me. That was it. And, and I only cried because that was a trick fuck. I went in there thinking it was about a cuddly little golden retriever and next thing you know this dog's dying like this torturous death that reminded me of course of my dog that i had to put down and uh, next thing you know cue the waterworks <laughs> and i was sad but more angry that i got tricked into a movie it's one of the reasons i won't see that new a dog's purpose film i won't go see it because number one that the they kind of badly treated the dog in it but number two i'm like i don't know am i gonna be tricked again because it's the dogs getting old, right? That's the movie. Yeah, I mean, those are always tear-jerking. <laughs> nope. Other than that, I'm not a crier. Okay. Uh, moving along, there's a study that says um, that social media is making people antisocial and jealous. Uh, that, folk, the more time that people spend online, the more jealous they get of other people. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's true because you uh you see other people living this uh Instagram life. Yeah. That's not even real that real life, you know, and now that you know, you're thinking they're always living a vacation. Well yeah, yeah, there's there's two wings on social media. There's the 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 Debbie Downer depressors that it's like wah wah you know, the whole time. Life couldn't be worse and I'm like block. Uh then there's the people who every day is a vacation. Oh, back to the Bahamas again. 
you know, oh, I ran into such and such celebrity. You know, there's the, there's never the, well, it was another day today. I went to Starbucks and I got a coffee and I went to work and. Well, they're, they're, the, they're the they exist too, but that's another block because you don't want to hear everything. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually yeah. true. It's I don't care trick. what they had for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, I feel like you got to strike the right balance. And I'm not a good example because some days if I have free time, oh yeah, I'm all over, particularly Twitter. If I've got like an extra half an hour, hour, oh, I'll just go on like a rampage. But then I may go dark for the whole day if I'm busy. Um, I don't know. I kind of like Twitter. I like Twitter and I don't like Twitter. When I do television hits, it's fun to get the feedback. But I got to tell you, these days, it's every time I do a hit, I'll get a couple hundred, not just not positive references. I mean, we're talking nasty, like sick, perverted things people want to do to me. People want to kill me in ways I didn't know that I could be killed. And so for that, I'm not really appreciative. But there, it is really cool. Like on the Thomas Guide, it's fun to get the feedback. And without social media, how the heck would you do that, right? So that's cool. But I guess you just don't. Moderation, right? Uh, there's uh, uh, there's another story. Uh, I don't know if, did we not get the the, the vasectomy clip? We don't have that. Okay, well, uh, we'll post this up on the T-Guide. Uh, this, this is a good one. Uh, there's a broadcast in the, a broadcaster in the U.K., that announces a cricket match while undergoing a vasectomy. I mean, literally somebody is filming him the entire time he's doing a live broadcast getting snipped. The first minute or so, you're like, all right, this guy is pretty tough. But then as soon as the snipping happens, you can see it's not that comfortable. I mean, people say it's painless. I don't know. Roy G., did you see a bit of that clip? Yeah, yeah. He didn't look very comfortable. Right. Well, I mean, you're... You're already set up to be in a doctor's office. You're already uncomfortable. Oh, so, but it's like, a little more than that, though. <laughs> I mean, he's doing the broadcast. He's like, oh, jeez. Maybe this is the way to make live broadcasting more interesting. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what should we have you do next week? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. There is no <laughs> snipping allowed on the Thomas guy. We'll think of something. <laughs> I think we should do something to build handle KFI. I think we should. Uh, now, he should get a live vasectomy on the air. <laughs> Uh, I just like to hear him complain about it. Um, <laughs> okay, Twitter is stoked. Um, Queen B, Beyonce, is pregnant. She's already had one child, but she's pregnant with twins. Um, and she posted up this picture. Oh, my God. <laughs> that picture looks like a, bra a bad prom pose. She posted it up, and it... it Literally almost broke Twitter, setting the record for the most number of retweets uh, of all time. Half a million uh, tweets in 45 minutes. Uh, Twitter just went crazy. I'm going to read some of these tweets. Um, one person, this Scott Huing said, Beyonce is literally making her own Destiny's Child, which for those of you too old uh, or too young to remember. Uh, that was her original group. It was the girl group. I think there were three of them. Um, then another one uh, said, uh, wait, wait, if Bay, meaning Beyonce, names her twins Kelly and Michelle, then they're literally Destiny's Child. <laughs> um, it it's, goes on and on and on like that. But, you know, look, Queen B is like, she's like the new Madonna. Um, She's just, but not as provocative. Well, uh, I don't know. Look at the veil. 
I mean, what does that suggest? Like a virgin? Yeah. <laughs> Where are we she, going? She ain't that? no virgin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, last story of the day is this BuzzFeed story. Jenny Lee, can you kind of break it down, and I'll tell you my thoughts on it. Well, um, we're going to ask you, John, um, whether you eat these food items in either one or two bites. So okay, lay it on me. Are you a one-bite guy or are you a two-bite guy? Lay it lay on me, yep. Okay, so let's go with the Oreo first. One bite or two? Two. If you go one, it gets in your teeth. So I, when I chew, I strategically, because I'm always worried about crap in my teeth, I take a bite and you use the molars, not the front teeth. What's your guys' position? Well, I think you're going to split it in half and eat the cream in the middle. Like, you know. Whoa! So, so that might even be a three-biter. Uh, oh, yeah, because the, the cream. Do you, do you dunk your Oreos if you could? Depending. A cup Depend. of tea? Sometimes I eat. A cup of oh, the, yeah. the Brit would say this. <laughs> a cup of, tea. cup of tea. That sounds always. disgusting, actually. You uh, take it apart, put a scoop of ice cream in the middle, put it back together. You know what I've discovered in the last year? I never really liked Oreos growing up uh, I, people would bring in tuxedos, which are like this terrible knockoff of Oreos. But do you realize there are like a hundred different flavors of Oreos? There's uh, birthday cake, there's blueberry, there's pumpkin pie. Yeah, they have all the, the special no, I, edition ones. I had no idea. Um, all right, keep going. Okay, so now we have the Pringle chip. One bite? One bite. What about you guys? Very nice. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Now, do you... Now, do you put multiple Pringles? Do you stack them on top, or do you go one? Just one. Yeah, I think I just do one. You're wasting. Thing. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. The only time I go two bites with a Pringle is if I'm dipping something. Yeah, yeah. Then, it, then really, whatever I'm using to dip is just an excuse to eat more of the dip. Right. Yep. So usually I spare. Because you can't really double dip, because that's against the rules. Yeah. And, you know, so. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. This is a good and then one. you bite, you take one bite, and then the chip's broken apart, and you're That's, left with you're the screwed. Mess. Yeah, you're screwed. Okay, so the next. Okay, the chicken nugget. Now, see if you bought a twenty piece, <laughs> nice and you're a one bite. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. you bought a twenty piece box, and you're a one bite kind of guy, you could get the whole thing done in twenty bites. Well, I am a fast eater, but here's why this is more. Uh, this is a two. This is maybe a three biter. I'll tell you why. Okay, <laughs> because. Chicken nuggets. Oh, I redip the crap because yeah, yeah. it's just an excuse personal, to eat the. Yeah. It's just an excuse to eat the barbecue sauce. Are we <laughs> kidding ourselves here? Oh yeah. So literally, I sometimes do minuscule bites. I'll do the like the full dip and I'll kind of lick it, and, I'll, <laughs> and then right back in. I'm the guy who goes to the McDonald's like uh, checker. I'm like, can I get ten things, tubs of barbecue sauce? Tubs. Like I'm, the, I'm that guy, <laughs> and I'm so glad they come in tubs and not a squeeze. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. The squeeze is never enough anyway. Yeah. Oh, what about you, Jenny Lee? Um, I'd say I'm a two-bite. You're a two-biter? Yeah, yeah. two-bite. It also, it also depends on the the nugget. Um, if you're a Chick, Chick-fil-A's nuggets, I believe, are smaller than than uh, than McDonald's. Um, then there are the ones that are like the chicken strips. I don't yeah, know if well, that's a nugget. A I don't know. Is that a chicken nugget? Chicken fingers. A finger? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's keep moving. All right. So next. <laughs> Let's get specific. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking <laughs> in and out, a one biter. Fries are yay, yay big. If we're talking McDonald's, fries are more like that. Depends it's a on two the bite length. situation. Right. 
you do two at a time or one at a time or a handful at a time? I start <laughs> out single, single, and by the end, as the, as the pieces are getting yeah, smaller, the I'm doing them. No, 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 no. Now, here's the, re- the real question. Are you the type to spray ketchup all over and eat it with a fork? Yeah, or do you like are, you, are you a barbarian? Yeah, yeah. There's people who yeah, do that. Are you kidding me? There's people who do that out there. Oh, no. First of all, uh, let me just be clear. On my plate, generally when I'm eating, fast food, whatever, no foods are allowed to mix. So they oh, all man. must have their own separate places. And by the way, that means in my mouth as well. You know, some people take a piece of steak, a little mashed potato. Oh, no. I will eat my mashed potatoes, and then I will eat my steak. <laughs> I will, even though it's funny because it all ends up in my belly. Yeah, but you don't I just, I don't want to do it that way. So, no, no, no. With, with the ketchup, I didn't it out. I put in the little containers so I can keep everything separately. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I don't like ketchup on my burgers. So if you got ketchup all over your plate, it could get. Yeah, yeah. You know, Gets messy. All right. Next. The donut hole. I'm a one biter. I actually had one of these last night. Yeah. <laughs> and and was it one or two? It was two bites. A t- yeah. what, wait, wait. How it big was of two bites. Well, what, what you kind know of. What a donut hole is. Yeah. Ralph's. It was Ralph's a two biter? It was a two biter. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that could go either way. I, uh, you know, it's it's like it's like a piece of popcorn. You know, you just pop it in. There. All right, moving along. All right, so next, pizza rolls. Now I'll tell you, I used to be a one biter. Until you burn the shit out. Of your exactly. <laughs> now, now I'm like I'm like a burn victim. Right, right. <laughs> and you ruin the whole rest dead. of them. Like I, I had no idea. So this is me. This is how I approach. I go like this. And then, and then, like, even sometimes you still get burned because if they're really hot, it like explodes. Yeah, yeah. And you like burn the roof of your mouth. So I'm, I'm like a three or four biter until it gets cool. What about you guys? Yeah, that's that's a solid point. That's it. I think it's mouth size here. That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, I guess it depends on the pizza roll. I guess it I'll go with two bites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two bites. Okay. Is that the list? Yep, that's it. Wow. <laughs> that was so <laughs> such an in-depth academic conversation, but I feel like we got to know each other a little bit better through that process. So so thank you for that, Producer Jenny Lee. Uh, <laughs> um, well, that's been the show for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to post up our interview with Elon Carr on the Thomas Guide later and on KFI's page so you can check it out. You're really going to enjoy that. Uh, he had some really insightful things to say about the Iran nuclear deal and what Trump has to do going forward to manage that relationship, as well as just terrorism in general. Um, Next week, I can't announce the guests yet, but we've got some really exciting, great guests. Uh, I'll tease that later next week. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Thomas Guide. Have a great week. This has been The Thomas Guide with John Thomas. We hope you've enjoyed the ride. Join us Thursdays at 1 on Facebook Live. Tweet John at The Thomas Guide. Find us on iTunes and subscribe. Or you can go to KFI. Keyword, The Thomas Guide.